Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has, and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the pleasures about midweek preaching is that it's always an adventure. We do commemoration of saints, some of whom I know, some of whom I've never heard of. St. Margaret of Scotland is one of the latter. And she left no sermons, no letters, no spiritual biographies. I mean, the first place I go is Amazon and look at the books, and I can't find a thing. And then I get serious, and I go to Wikipedia. It was hard to find much about her. We only know about her from the biographies and accounts written by those who knew her and after her death. So first I did go to Wikipedia and to Britannica, and then I went to the writings on her that are included in the biography in the Gregorian Sanctoral, which we use for the daily office in the day that we commemorate a saint, any saint, and some other sources like that. And I came away with two very different women. And I thought about this for a while. And I kind of prayed and tried to get in her heart and mind. First, there was the woman who was a princess and then a queen. She was the granddaughter of Edmund Ironside, who was a king of part of England and then all of England and part of England, and eventually his family, when Canute took over, was sent into exile. They were lucky they didn't get all killed. It was a safer thing to do to just send them away. So the two infant sons of Edmund Ironside, were sent to the Swedish court for safety. Eventually the boys ended up in Hungary, by way of Kiev, by the way. Margaret's father was known by the byname Edward the Exile. And that says a lot about Margaret and her life in where they ended up was in Hungary. So Edward married there and the three children, Margaret and her two younger brothers were born. And Margaret was drawn to a life of piety. The Hungarian court was very, very pious. They practiced the kind of ritual and piety and religion that was becoming pretty standard throughout Europe and England, a Roman rite, as we would say today. <clears throat> At one point, Edward the Confessor, 
who was then king of England, looked to be dying. And he was childless. So there was this scramble to find the nearest relative somewhere who could then be shuffled into the position of king on the throne. And Edward the Exile and his family were called back to England, perhaps to be the confessor's successor. He no sooner put one foot on English soil that he died mysteriously and suspiciously. These people basically lived their own version of the Game of Thrones, only it was real, not fiction. Now, Margaret was born in 1040, she died in 1093, and what was the major event in England that happened between then? 1066, the Norman invasion. Now, how did that happen? The king at the time, Harold Godfredson, went up about a day's journey north from the capital of Wessex at the time because another Harold, Harold Hardrasa, was coming to invade England. Now, Harold Hardrasa was a very great and famous and terrible Viking. He said he's seven foot tall. He never lost a battle. People quaked at his name. Well, the English king went and defeated him at Stamford Bridge. And then the messenger came along and said, oh, by the way, there's this fleet heading from Normandy. So he took his army, what was left of it, they won, but they were somewhat depleted and exhausted. And they marched back down to a little town called Hastings. And there the Battle of Hastings in 1066 took place. We know what happened. Harold was killed, the Saxons were defeated, and the Normans took over. Word about the Normans. The leader, when we call William the Conqueror, was also called as William the Bastard. He was a duke without land, and he wanted some, and England looked right for the pickings. Those Normans had been Vikings two or three generations earlier. They had become Christians, they had learned table manners, they were still Vikings. So they installed their own bishops, and they installed their own barons, and Margaret, being the princess of Wessex, the Normans having no particular interest in using her to marry one of theirs, took her brothers, whose life was in danger, and they ran, and they ran to Scotland. Once she was there, she married King Malcolm III. Yes, that's the Malcolm fe featured in Shakespeare's Macbeth. But then I turn to the writings on her faith and piety. We read in the sanctoral for today that Margaret was deeply influenced by her life in the more civilized and Romanized courts of Europe than the quarrelsome life of the Scottish clans. And she tried mightily to bring them into some kind of peace. And not surprisingly, she failed, as everybody else did for hundreds of years after. 
And so we read, with considerable zeal, Margaret sought to change what she considered to be old-fashioned and careless practices among the Scottish clergy. She insisted that the observance of Lent, for example, was to begin on Ash Wednesday rather than the following Monday, and that Mass should be celebrated according to the accepted Roman rite. The Lord's Day was to be a day when she said we apply ourselves only to prayers. She argued vigorously, though not always with success, against the exaggerated sense of unworthiness that made many of the pious Scots unwilling to receive communion regularly. So she was a church reformer. We don't know much about the bishops and the abbesses and the abbots and the support she may have gotten from the Pope because we don't have much of hers. But she changed the church in Scotland and she brought it into confirmation with the Roman church. But she did more than that. Malcolm was illiterate. She used to read Bible stories to him. He wasn't particularly interested, but he was very fond of her. He too was a great warrior, but he was more than glad to do something for his wife. And so the two of them rebuilt the monastery in Iona, which had somewhere along the line been destroyed. And other monasteries and pilgrimage sites. She built churches and schools. She lived out her piety, trying to bring some level of civilization to those wild-eyed clansmen wrapped in their in their great kilts, which is nothing more than a large blanket with a belt, and give them a better life, a more civilized life, and a life more in concord with England and the rest of Europe. At one point, she was informed that her husband and eldest son were killed in one of the endless battles. Her remaining eight children went on to be the lead noble wives in Scotland and England, but that's another story. <clears throat> and so I looked at these two sets of stories. The set that was told about Princess Margaret of Wessex and about Princess Margaret of Scotland, the Pearl of Scotland. And she was a pearl of great price, or rather she was a reflection of that pearl of great price, bringing the kingdom of God to a very wild and unruly place. Scotland always has been. I think it still is. And it struck me that her life could not have been happy 
and without anxiety and fear, she was dragged around Europe as her royal family sought power. What kept her going? We don't know if she had visions. We don't know if Christ Jesus came to comfort her and direct her towards her ultimate vocation, using her privilege as a queen to serve the church in Scotland and be the beloved mother of her people. And she was. All I can think of was that it was her deep faith and her obedience to the voice of God and to the words of scripture. She carried a little prayer book with her that we still have, it's in the Bodleian Library. And she prayed regularly as she read scripture and went to church and received communion and encouraged others to do that. She saw to it that the fairly uneducated and sloppy priests were better trained and more dedicated. She just kept going. As I get to know you better and hear more of your journey, I hear of those times when it wasn't so easy, those times of clinging on to faith, of anxiety, of sorrow. And you certainly know my life has been a pilgrimage. It's filled, been filled with doubt and betrayal and fear and moments of sustaining bliss. It could only have been resting in the bosom of her bridegroom as I rest in his bosom also that brought her the peace and the grace to show forth her faith. That light, that passion to serve him and the people of the land where she was finally brought, daughter of an exile, Princess Margaret of Wessex. It was an empty title she had. And finally, Queen Margaret of Scotland, a servant of the servants of God, bringing the glory of God everywhere she went. A saintly queen dedicated to God and to her people. Margaret, pray for us. Teach us to sustain as you did. Teach us to remain faithful. Help us when times are hard, even dangerous. And we ask this in the name of your beloved Lord and ours, Jesus Christ, who reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.